0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its
1: staff, and management. Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry, Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz.
2: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Tech Cat Show. We have been broadcasting live all week from Las Vegas at the NAB Show. That's the National Association of Broadcasters, where anything to do with content, radio, and broadcasting is being demonstrated here on the show floor. And the Tech Cat Show has been here all week interviewing and highlighting things going on in the advanced advertising theater. And we have a special treat to add to that lineup, and that is the fabulous Jeanette DePatty is our guest today for this show. Jeanette DePatty is a StoryTech partner, um, works with my company frequently in helping us with our technology papers and our trends papers and helping us give Tours and briefings at a variety of industry trade shows that really focus on the the swirl that's happening between media technology and content models. So Jeanette is from a company called Propellerhead. Let's have a big tech cat welcome for the fabulous Jeanette Patty. Yay! Hi, thanks for having me out, Lori. It is great to have you, my darling. And I know you must be exhausted because you've been giving tours all week of the NAB show. But give our audience uh, a bit of a background on on how you came to be uh, such a great tech writer um, and tech evangelist.
3: Well, I've been working with technology, in and around technology, for about 20 years now. And what really makes my approach to technology unique is that I wear three hats. So I understand technology, so I speak geek. I understand business and marketing, so I speak C-suite, and I understand content development, so I speak creative. And really, the juicy stuff is at that intersection right now, right in the center of that triangle. And so I work as sort of a, a translator, or you could call me a propeller head whisperer, and what I do is I make complicated technical stuff easy for everyday people to understand, and I also teach engineers how to speak about their stuff with everyday people.
2: Well, and you certainly have been uh, very good in translating a lot of the trends um, on the NAB show floor and helping people understand what's going on there. So I thought what we could do that would be really fun is is to take people through some of the things that you've seen this week um, and, and kind of establish what some of those trends are. And again, this is this is technology trends consumer trends advertising trends that are all kind of blending together um on all these different consumer devices technology devices um even just that that tv set that you're you're bringing into your home so let's start with the number one trend at the nab show drum roll please all right jeanette tell us what is the number one trend happening this week on the nab show floor
3: well I think the number one show trend is something we're calling believe your eyes. We've been talking for several years about some beautiful high impact audio and visual formats. We've been talking about 4K and HDR and and wide color gamut and all of these different visual formats we've been talking about interactive audio and object oriented audio and what what we're saying this year is you can actually believe your eyes because these are not technologies that are just demos on the show floors. These are technologies that you can go down to Best Buy, pick it up, take it home, and watch it in your home. So that's a big step forward this year.
2: And is so, a lot of- there's a lot of the explaining of this technology that when people see it, you know, do you think the average consumer understands what 4K means now? Because this is a trade show, so its majority of it is business professionals. But in the end, this stuff has to go to market, right? People have to understand what it is they're buying.
3: Yes, there's a lot of confusion out there in this space. I think uh, a lot of people get... 4K and HDR and white color gamut mixed up. And so, let me just do a real sort of brief recap. So, 4K refers to the number of horizontal pixels. And usually it means it's over 4,000 pixels. Now it's actually like 3,860, but you won't miss those 40 pixels, I promise. <laughs> and it's a higher <laughs> You know, it's, some people are like, "I want my extra 40 pixels," but you won't. You won't know the difference. In fact, that's a big deal with 4K. Is a lot of times people can't tell that much difference between 4K and really good HD signals. Um, and and there's been a lot of confusion about that. Sometimes people think they're watching 4K and they're not, and they don't know it. So that's that's part of the challenge. But a, a visual area uh, and- where there's oh, go ahead.
2: I was going to ask, in terms of you know making this investment in 4K, and I know this has been uh, in discussion for the last year or two, studios and networks and people shooting content have to invest in new equipment that manages 4K. And then on the consumer side, we all have to buy screens and TVs and viewing devices that allow us to view the 4K. So is that mm-hmm. now happening across the board is it now you know everybody's watching 4k on on 4k capable screens
3: not yet uh, but I think that trend is definitely going to move forward now for a couple reasons. One, you can actually buy the TV sets, and you've been able to buy 4K TV sets in the past, but now there are more available. They're lower in price, but I think the more important changes that we're seeing this year is there's a lot more consolidation in the industry around the few standards, sort of the ultra 4K, and that includes the HDR in with the 4K. Now, HDR is stands for high dynamic range. And what that means is the difference between the very darkest darks or the blackest blacks and the lightest lights. And HDR gives you a much wider range, mostly because the new TV sets are able to be a lot brighter. So that can give you a a bigger spectrum. And those images look a lot more realistic than non-HDR images. And whereas sometimes it's different it's difficult to tell the difference between, say, a very good HD signal and a 4K signal. HDR is really dramatically visually different uh, from non HDR signals, and and in a way that's very perceptible to home viewers. So those two things are put together now in the same sets. And the other thing that's really important is that you can buy an ultra 4K HD. I mean, sorry, an ultra HD Blu-ray player, and that will allow you to play movies in this 4K HDR format from a disc, from a really big, really fast-spinning disc, uh, and and watch it on your TV set. And where that's really important is that, you know, 4K has been able to be streamed into the home, but a lot of people don't have a fat enough internet connection to really have a good experience with 4K or HDR. The signal becomes so compressed that some of the Gains that you would hope to get in that visual format aren't really showing up. Whereas on the Blu-ray side, you don't have to worry about bandwidth. It's playing from a disc, and it is gorgeous. It's amazing.
2: And, and are, more, are, are the electronics companies now using the knowledge about these different protocols to market the TVs?
3: Yes. There are a number of companies that are in this space, Sony, LG, and Samsung, I would say, are three of the leading companies in this space. And there's a lot of, you know, variations about whether they're going to call it 4K Ultra or Ultra Blu-ray or 4K Blu-ray. But by and large, these technologies are all coupled together in um, in these combined sets and devices.
2: Now, I know that these types of technologies makes people very nervous actors, right, very nervous because of, of the detail that you you can see. So before we take our break, I, I'd love for you to maybe just talk for a minute or two about what are, are, are some of the concerns for content creators dealing with these new standards.
3: Well, of course, the more resolution you have and the more color gamut you have, the more real it looks. And sometimes when you're dealing with, it, say, an extreme close-up, Real isn't quite what you want, right? If your actress has gone out and done a little too much partying the night before, maybe it's not going to look so great on the screen the next day. But luckily, the technologies for sort of digital cosmetology are coming along just as quickly as these high-resolution formats, so... The post-production team can go in and do a little digital makeover for your stars and clean up any wrinkles or blemishes that they the stars don't want on the screen. Oh, so
2: there's like a whole new business now growing out of like post-shooting hair and makeup.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, many, many A-list stars have their own digital cosmetologist, and they will not appear on screen unless their digital touch-up artist works on their stuff. It's pretty amazing.
2: Yeah, I I mean, this whole world brings up a whole bunch of uh, new concerns that I think uh, a lot of us didn't think about. And I know we're going to talk about it, but to me, it seems like if I'm a a content creator and I'm doing things on YouTube, and for mobile, do I have to worry about 4K? Like, should I be shooting in 4K and then know that I can, you know, scrunch it down to to the uh, resolution that would be more appropriate for my end device, or do I shoot shoot what I'm going to be showing it for?
3: Well, I mean, we can talk about this in in greater detail after the break, but the short answer is you should shoot in the highest resolution and the highest Uh, dynamic range and the highest color gamut you can afford. You really should.
2: Right, because these days your content is going to have not only a long life, but multiple windows. It's going to be spit out to lots of different formats and screens. And new models are coming out all the time in different ways that you can chop up your media. So it's kind of better to to arm yourself with a lot of options. Um, I know that sometimes... Also, also um, those TVs, to your point, when I'm walking by them, they almost look too digital. And then you can go in and, and correct for that. Do you think that consumers are going to take to, to how that, that looks?
3: I think they will. I think they've done a lot of side-by-side testing, and the consumers love this high dynamic range. Uh, content in particular because it looks so much more real and you know it's interesting you can have even have so much dynamic range that you know when you walk from a dark room to outside sunlight it takes a second for your eyes to adjust we are even experiencing that watching these televisions now where if a scene is shot in a darkened room and then goes to an outside seen with the with sunlight it takes a while for your eyes to adjust just as it as it would in real life it's really interesting
2: well that that is so so interesting and we're going to give you a break for a moment because i know how exhausted you are and we're going to come back and we're going to (laughs) hear about the second hot trend at the nab show 2016 in las vegas so we'll be back in a moment with the tech cat and the lovely propeller head jeanette DePatty in a moment
4: Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
1: The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com.
0: What makes great leaders? Results? A lasting legacy? Is it making a difference in your life or maybe the lives of others? I lead the leadership connection with host Dr. Linda Sharkey will bring you the practical tips and tools to make you an extraordinary leader. And by doing so, build a better, more successful and more profitable organization. Our show is all about you, the leader that you can be and the culture that you can create. Tune in to I Lead, The Leadership Connection, live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
1: This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Laurie at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv.
2: And coming to you live from Las Vegas, Nevada, and we are here at the NAB show and we're talking with the fabulous Jeanette DePatty from Propellerhead, and Jeanette is uh, one of the top tech writers that I know who's really able to to, uh, ascertain what's going on out there from a technology perspective and really translate it so that everybody understands what the trends are and what they should be doing. And so now, from Jeanette, we want to hear, what is the top number two trend here happening at the NAB show floor? Let's have a drum roll, please, Jeanette. Top number two trend.
3: The second big trend is something we're calling jump in, and that is talking about immersive content. It seems like you can't swing a cat without hitting somebody in a virtual reality visor or wearing goggles for uh, augmented reality or some sort of immersive content system. So that's a big deal this year.
2: And when you say immersive content, you're talking about virtual reality, augmented reality, 360, because there's really a a big continuum. Um, And our our colleague, uh, Brian Seth Hurst, always talks about this, that virtual reality is often used to mean everything in this space, but really there's a a lot of different types of immersive content, correct?
3: That is absolutely true. Everything from a 360 video that you might see on YouTube 360 where you can experience it by just walking around with your phone and your phone is like a sliding window into the content. Or you could see that in a head-mounted display that includes a phone like the Samsung uh, VR gear. And then also uh, a full-up tethered VR experience like you would get with the Oculus Oculus Rift, which is also finally shipping. Yay! <laughs> That's been a long wait. And
2: do you think that the everyday content creator is going to jump into VR? Because most of the stuff that I've been reading is with, you know, big studios and networks and, and uh, uh, big feature film productions or very expensive... Um, commercial productions. But do you think immersive content, you know, has a role for your everyday content creator who's out there um, posting things to the web and using, you know, more affordable
3: equipment? Absolutely. I think that immersive content is Coming to the masses, and that's for a couple reasons. One reason is that the cost of the equipment has come down quite a lot, and you can buy a rig for under $1,000 uh, that uses, say, a bunch of GoPro cameras and use a program like Video Stitch to put that content together into an immersive bubble or in an immersive stream. Uh, another reason is that the platforms for this technology are growing as well. You can see 360 videos on YouTube. You can see 360 videos on Facebook. And also, we're seeing that uh, the, the Samsung phones come bundled with the VR visor now. This is really growing. It's much more ubiquitous than it was in the past. It's a lot less theory and a lot more real. Another big trend that we're seeing is the commercial opportunities for VR storytelling, either as an advertising model, uh, say, for travel or other kinds of, of, of experiential products. And we're also seeing it as a tool for things like education and visualization. And even in the medical space, we're seeing VR being used as a tool to help people be calm before medical procedures. So it's really widespread what you can use VR and AR and 360 video for.
2: Now, are there any, any um, companies, tool companies or equipment companies that you've seen uh, this week on the show floor that have really blown you away?
3: Well, I think uh, Nokia has made a big splash with their Ozo camera, which it looks like a spaceship from outer space but it actually is it's very cool it's an integrated camera system that does the shooting and stitching in real time so instead of having to do all that in post production it does it as you shoot and what's really cool about it is you can even as a shooter put on a vr uh head mounted display and see in real time what your end user will see in their headset so that's pretty cool that's, that's really um, cool. And yeah, we've seen a number of other tools. We've seen uh, Video Stitch has come a long way, and and um, is a much more intuitive tool now for putting things together in post. Uh, Codex has a very low cost 360 camera that can be paired with another camera to be a a spherical shooting and there's a lot of really neat stuff heroes 360 and um there's a lot of great companies Uh, luckily for us here at nab they're all gathered together in the vr and ar pavilion so you can really just walk a very short distance and compare the different technologies that are available
2: yeah, we've been, um, uh, from the Advanced Advertising Theater, we've been watching what's been happening over at the Pavilion, and it's it's packed every day. Um, it really is the the pretty girl at the party. And I'm just wondering, do you think that uh, community will, will uh, develop um, around VR like it has for so many other types of content? I really don't see any
3: reason why not, uh, especially with PlayStation VR coming online uh, and all of their tethered things where you can connect with other VR users, I I do think that there's going to be VR communities shaping up very rapidly over the next year.
2: And you know this is my personal bugaboo, but um, do you think also that there'll be more content growing out there for women in VR? Um, We have a lot of friends that are, uh, are working as producers uh, of VR and, um, you know, starting VR companies. So there's a lot of women sort of in charge and and, uh, and who have the knowledge set that, that are creating this stuff. But I haven't seen a lot of VR content that is just interesting to me from my gender perspective, right? As a technologist, it's fascinating. But as a, as a woman, I'm not seeing a lot of content out there that I connect to.
3: I think that's true. Uh, I think that's starting to change. I mean, we tend to see these technologies grow out of the gaming space initially because that space is willing to spend a lot of money uh, developing their their rig, their tools, so that they can watch, Uh, whereas the general consumer might not be quite as ready to shell out, you know, $2,000 for a computer and a full-up Oculus Rift system. But I think as we see the shift away from gaming content as the primary mover, we're seeing more content that's of interest to women. And I think that will continue. I mean, the general lag for women in content development in and out of VR is a problem that is it's it's a vexing problem that continues that I hope we can finally get sorted out over the next year or so.
2: Uh, I, I hope so, too. And in terms of, you know, starter-up equipment for someone just jumping into VR, do you have any recommendations?
3: Well... First and foremost, you can just go to YouTube 360 and use your phone and look at it that way. That's It's not the most immersive experience, but it's a way to get an idea. And also, I really need to talk about Google Qu- Cardboard. Uh, the New York Times handed out over a million of these things last year as part of their advertising for their VR platform for the news. And the Google Cardboard is very inexpensive. You can pick one up for a, a few dollars or... Some places give them away for free. I know in Sweden, they are making a Happy Meal box that can be configured oh, that's into cool. a Google cardboard. <laughs> oh, I, I love say that. like that. That is truly immersive because it also has smell-o-vision, right? It smells like French fries and, and <laughs> hamburgers.
5: Yeah.
3: <laughs> So, so Google Cardboard is another sort of early, easy on-ramp way to experience VR. Uh, The sort of in-between layer would be something like the the Samsung uh, Gear, and then the full-up Oculus Rift system, or the uh, HTC, or the Sony PlayStation those are going to be the higher-end systems. And I would strongly recommend anybody who's looking to buy one of those systems that before you buy it, you know, there are a few online tools that you can use to test your computer system because it's really specific to the kind of graphics card you have in your system and how fast your computer is and how much memory you have. So you really want to um, test your computer. So while you're waiting on back order for your fabulous headset to arrive. You can be getting your computer system ready and, um, or go buy a bundle at uh, Best Buy where you get the computer and the goggles together.
2: Now, before we go to our next break, give us a little taste of what the top, top number three trend at the NAB show is drum roll, please Jeanette to Patty. What is the number three trend on the show floor?
3: The number three trend is since all of these other trends are shipping now they're combining multiple trends together to make new stuff, so new technologies that combine other technologies.
2: Ooh, uh, ooh con- com- combining happening. I like that. That's sexy. All right, well, we're going to be back in a moment with the fabulous Jeanette Depade, as some of us call her, propeller head, and she's one of the top uh, technology writers out there. We're broadcasting live from the NAB show, and we'll be back in a moment to talk to Jeanette about these trends.
0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
5: There are two types of leaders in business those who are nice, compassionate people, and frankly, they are the people who fail to get a lot done. Then there are those who can get everything done and so much more. But they are greedy, unethical, and self-centered. The Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks finds a way to use the best of both types of leaders to help you create a dynamic roadmap to success. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business.
6: Every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business.
4: Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
1: This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv.
2: And we're back on the fabulous show floor of the NAB show talking to Jeanette Patty, who just told us the top three, or top third, am I saying that right, trend, at the NAB show, and that is what she's calling Mix, Match, and Make, which is the combining of technologies that are creating new technologies. So Jeanette, give us an example of, of what you've been seeing on the floor today that, that speaks
3: to that trend. So, for example, you can go and look at the DGI booth, which is a drone uh, manufacturer, and they have a drone Fly cage, you can see all these things flying around, which are super cool. And they are demonstrating 4K from a drone, so I can shoot in that high, high resolution format. And they're also demonstrating live streaming, so I can be at an event. And I can have my drone up there, and I can be shooting in 4K and streaming it live via Facebook Live or YouTube, uh, live, 3, live YouTube and uh, just going straight out to people's cell phones and, and different technology platforms. So that's one example of just everything all together. And, oh, and I know that... social media, too.
2: Oh, and I, I know there's um, a lot of talk about live streaming, too, and you were filling me in on some of the companies that are combining tech in that space.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of combinations happening with social media and live streaming. Facebook has made a huge step in that direction with their new streaming platform, their live platform, as did YouTube. And I think this is really going to change the whole streaming game because you don't have to go to a dedicated streaming system or environment anymore, you can go to the social media places you already have strong connections with and a lot of audience built up and, and begin live streaming immediately. And that's, that's a big deal. I think if you have to build a brand new audience every time you do a new technology, it really slows down the process.
2: Yeah, I I bet. I've been amazed at sort of all of that integration as well, um, because the whole reason that people are so interested in live streaming now is because of that social piece. Are there third party companies that are also contributing to this? Because would I only just use, say, Periscope and Facebook? Or are there more professional solutions out there that will help me live stream and connect socially?
3: Well, Livestream is one of the big companies out there, which is one of the words that you just used. <laughs> and yeah. uh, they've been doing this for a long time. What's really interesting is in the past, Livestream was both a technology provider and a platform. But once Facebook announced that they were going to be coming out with their own streaming platform live stream quickly developed a system to integrate with facebook so they are definitely using the if you can't beat them join them system which works really well for a lot of these companies
2: that's so cool and give us some the top number four trend on the nab show floor let's have the drum roll please Jeanette, for the top four trend fourth trend fourth trend (laughs) the be so for,
3: and that is? That is audience partnership. I think we used to think of audiences as passive observers and consumers of our content, and then we used to think of them, I think, as somewhat involved uh, being, you know, creating user-generated content and working along in that space. But what we're finding now is that the stakes are a lot higher and you really have to develop an actual partnership or relationship with your audience to get the most out of your content experience. So not only are audiences helping to create content with user-generated content, they're also curating content. They are helping to monetize content. A big, big deal this year is this is the first year that crowdfunding is expected to surpass VC funding for new companies. So that is really some high-stake poker. <laughs> you know, there have been companies that have raised, uh, I think there was a Japanese company that raised over $6 million in crowdfunding to develop the next version of their game so if you can get that audience on board with you if you can get them excited about what you're doing they will not only talk about it share it create new versions of it but they'll even fund it so that's a big deal on the flip side if you don't engage your audience your audience is finding more and more ways to not only disengage with you but also to uh Use ad blockers and other technologies like that to interrupt your funding flow for your content. So it's really of key importance that you keep that audience happy and engaged and, and participating with you in the content development process.
2: Yeah, it's, it's amazing to me uh, that the power that the audience is now having on the advertising industry, and I almost feel like executives are afraid. Um, you know, of the audience um, and what they're, how they're going to, consumers are going to respond to different types of ad formats because the pressure yeah. is on. You know, the, the, the pressure is really on to cr- to create something. Um, and, and do you see that the ability to manage your audience and track your audience also changing now? Now that they're they're so um, involved, are we able to understand what they're doing and then use that data to help us create better content? Yes
3: absolutely. The tools are much more sophisticated now and they're much less expensive. It used to be that if you wanted those sort of analysis tools, you would have to hire a company and pay them an enormous amount of money to set these systems up. But we're seeing a continuation of a trend towards SaaS or software as a service where companies are really going online and just paying as they need for these different technologies, for these analysis technologies, and they ramp significantly. So maybe you can get started for 500 or or $1,000 and ramp up to over, you know, the hundreds of thousands of dollars when you have a big audience and a lot of users. But it allows the small guys to get started in the audience analysis business because really these days the way that you – go from being a small guy to being a big guy is understanding that audience and developing with them in the creation process rather than just developing a bunch of stuff testing it, and hoping you hit the mark really engaging the audience as you go is critical
2: Uh, and do you think that that you know, we know what we're doing. Do content creators understand the power of their audience or is this really early days? Or are or, or millennials sort of born into this so they're the best folks to create content in this ecosystem?
3: I don't think you can really generalize quite that much. I, I really think there are content creators that are smart, that are doing well. There are content creators that are not so smart, and got lucky, and then there's everybody else who's not making any money. I mean, I really think it's, it's those three categories. So uh, I think that there are smart millennials. There are also very smart people that have been doing this for many decades who have gotten on board and are figuring it out. So there's a lot of opportunity there.
2: And it's also a very exciting time, I think, because what better way to understand as a creator what you're doing than to hear immediately from your audience and for product creation as well, for anything you're doing, you get immediate immediate feedback. So going to Ooh. our last trend on the NAB show floor, before we take our last break, what is the number five trend, the fifth trend, the top five trend on the nab show floor let's have a drum roll jeanette propeller head to patty what is the number five trend on that floor today smart tech
3: gets smarter machine learning and automation machine learning
2: and automation so this is basically a trend that says robots are going to take over and uh yeah and the world is going to uh turn into monkeys hitting big rectangular stones that land from the sky?
3: <laughs> we hope not. We, we hope not. <laughs> yeah, yes. judge, Actually, judge, judge, judgment the amount of, day. of complexity is so high now that really machines have to teach themselves, and, and we can definitely talk about that in a lot more depth. All right, well, when we come back, we're going to
2: talk about the last trend, which is all about smart, smart tech getting smarter and how machine learning and automation is really creating new opportunities and a lot of interesting uh, companies on the, on the floor that are leveraging uh, that machine learning to, to create better products for everyone, I think along the content ecosystem. So we're going to let Jeanette sit down and take a break for a minute. Cause man, has she been doing a lot of walking and talking for the last three days here in Las Vegas at the NAB show. And we'll be back with the tech cat and Jeanette, In a moment, to hear more about the last hot NAB show trend, Smart Tech Gets Smarter, in a moment.
4: Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
1: This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv.
2: And now we're back with the fabulous Jeanette talking about the last trend here on the NAV show floor. Um, It's been a crazy week, a fabulous week of seeing the latest in technology trends for the National Association of Broadcasters. And we were just talking about one of the bigger trends here, which is smart tech gets smarter, machine learning and automation. So Jeanette, what have you been seeing on the show floor that really speaks to that trend?
3: Well, I think we were talking before the break about the importance of understanding your audience. And a lot of technology has come to the fore in this space where you can get real-time information about what your audience is watching and how they feel about it. For example, there's a company called uh, T-Vision, which has capital T, capital V for TV vision, I guess. And they are using Microsoft Connect sensor technology to observe how people are moving around in their living rooms as they watch television, and whether they're watching the screen or looking at their cell phones or different kinds of things like that. So, uh, it's really interesting how this technology can report in great detail about what your users are experiencing, what your viewers are experiencing. Now, some of that can get a little creepy at times. Um, The Your television and your phone and your uh, tablet are probably listening to you. As you consume media, your media is watching you. And there are tools out there now that are doing audio recognition, so they're listening to what is coming. Your cell phone is listening to what you're watching on TV and using an automatic content recognition tool to determine if they can find a matching ad. So let's say you're watching a show and an ad for Coca-Cola comes on TV and you're like, oh, I'm bored, so I'm going to look at my tablet. With this technology, chances are they're going to serve a Coca-Cola ad to your tablet as well. So ads in some sense are inescapable because of this technology. But uh, it's – oh, go ahead. Well,
2: no, I was just going to say I think it's so cool you know, the the Uh capabilities now, as long as they're used for good.
3: (laughs) Well, that's the trouble, right? We don't really know if they're going to be used for good. But for the most part, I think it just provides really great information for content developers. And I think another area that we're seeing a lot of automation is in programmatic advertising. And this is a place where Ads are bought automatically based on data that's collected about individual viewers. Now, there's really interesting things going on in this space as well because the FCC has gotten involved, and uh, part of this whole net neutrality debate that we've seen is, um, you know, they, the the content developers were told they needed to act more like a telephone company, so the the streaming companies, the broadband companies, need to act more like a telephone company. And that meant that they couldn't throttle anymore. So they couldn't slow down your content in order to get you to buy faster lines. But part of this same ruling suggests that there may be new laws coming into place about what kinds of data can be collected and what can be done with that data afterwards. So this is something that has the potential to really turn this whole automatic data collection and advertising serving on its head. So it'll be interesting to see how that shapes up over the next year.
2: And is it surprising you to see these types of technologies on, um, on a, at a trade show about broadcasters, or does it all make sense to you? Because this is kind of... A real uh, sort of online digital story, and yet here we are at a broadcast show. So, can you kind of uh, explain how these worlds are all colliding?
3: Well, I mean, they absolutely are colliding. I mean, broadcast television is not the same as it once was. A lot of that content is being delivered in a TV anywhere kind of scenario where people are watching whenever and wherever they want on whatever device they want. So your chances of watching a television show on a television are far less than they were before. Chances are you're watching that on your cell phone, or if it's after eight o'clock at night, statistics show chances are pretty good you're in bed with your tablet, watching that. <laughs> um, you know everybody's taking their iPad to bed. I this I think the iPads are getting more action than some of us right now. But that's <laughs> a different story. Oh my God, that's but, so unfortunately
2: true. Um, <laughs> well, what would you so, say? You know, just as a trend, if we step back and and look at this idea of what's happening at the NAB show floor, you know, who's walking around with you this week? You know, was it was it broadcasters, networks? Was it tech companies? Uh, Is it uh, advertisers, marketers? Like who's there?
3: I mean, all of the above. So I've given tours for very, very large Fortune 100 companies that are wanting to understand it from a brand advertising standpoint, a brand marketing standpoint. I've walked around with some major network television studios that are wanting to make sure that they are abreast of all of the new technology as it comes into place. And I've walked around with some very innovative content developers who are just starting to use these new technologies in the field, so really it's, it's a coming together of people that are coming at the same thing from a lot of different directions.
2: Yeah, it's it's a very exciting time, I think, for the show, and they're expanding to other geographical regions um, as well as just show that they're doing um, in November uh, right now. And it's just interesting that all these different trade shows represent different things, but NAB seems to really um, be sort of the center of the, the tools and the content itself, and that seems to be where a lot of the conversations are happening.
3: Mm-hmm. I think that's really true.
2: And what um, have you seen um, as a tech writer and someone that actually teaches tech, what have you seen um, this week on the floor that you've been really blown away by? Like, is there anything that after you were done walking folks around, you went back and you just hung out at? Because that's how I always know I'm turned on by something at these shows is when I go back to just be there.
3: I think there's some really exciting things going on with augmented reality and virtual reality and Sports. So everything from really cool new technology that can use traditional television cameras with just a new lens to create sports AR content that's being delivered uh, for ESPN and the NFL and uh, Major League Baseball, and all the way to new uh, live VR systems like Live Like, where you can watch. Sporting events in real time, live, in VR with your friends. And so you kind of have a, a virtual skybox, if you will, where you can watch this the field and also have avatars of your friends talking to you in your skybox. So I could see where you could, like, really get a celebrity to hang out in your skybox. That would be pretty cool You're in, virtual, yeah. in your virtual skybox.
2: I, I think it, be that's like really two- neat. Tupac Shakur will come and uh, hang out with me. <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, I want to say that I think your chances are better that they'll come to your VR box than probably a live, an actual physical box. So, you know, we can all dream, right?
2: Well, we're getting to the, to the end of the show. And I'm just wondering, is there anything that besides soaking your feet that you're going to do at the end of this week? Is there anything that you're going to run out and buy that you have seen here at the NAB show in Vegas, um, on the floor, anything that really, you were like, I have to have this as a content creator yourself. Uh,
3: you know, it, it's. I I can't say that there's any one thing. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pile up all my literature on the floor and then look at my meager budget and make some hard, hard choices. That's the reality <laughs> is there's just so much cool stuff. You can't possibly buy all the cool stuff that you want. So you really have to make some tough, decisions, or at least that's what my husband tells me. I have to make some tough decisions. With some girls, it's shoes. You know, with me, it's going to be cameras and lighting equipment and streaming equipment and probably a drone. The Phantom 4, that thing is really, really cool.
2: Well, you know, the the funny thing is I think this is one of the first years where there's more affordable tech, for your everyday content creator and that that's why the floor to me has the most relevance it's ever had is because it's not just for network and studio executives on an enterprise budget but it's for your Mm -hmm. every everyday content creator there's there's solutions here there's some cameras that i saw and some equipment that would set me up really well um you know pretty quickly
3: I think that's really true, and I think that because the systems and the equipment is coming down so much in price, there is a big leveling going on in the content creation space, and so it's less about who's got the gear and more about who has the creative vision and who has their finger on the pulse of the audience. I think that's going to be the ones that come out on top.
2: Well, I want to thank Jeanette Patti, who is from Propellerhead and one of the uh, tech writers and tour guides for Story Tech at NAB and a, a good friend and someone I respect. Thank you so much, Jeanette, for, for jumping oh, in you. here and sharing the, the top five trends at the NAB show floor with us. And you can uh, hear more from Jeanette. Where, Jeanette, where are you blogging, writing,
3: tweeting these days? Um, they can go to propellerhead-inc.com. And uh, they can learn more about me there.
2: Fantastic. And if you're at the NAB show floor, you can definitely see Jeanette running around. She's uh, walking around with headsets and lots of people following her. So that's it for the Tech Cat Show here live from Las Vegas. And hopefully you've also been listening to the live channel on Voice America this week, hearing us broadcast live from the Advanced Advertising Theater. We will see you next week back in Los Angeles where we'll all be resting our feet. Have a great week. Enjoy all the new tech insights.